Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a chat with Ben. Ben, if you can tell me when and where you were born, and if you can describe to me what it was like, where you grew up, the schools you went to, and the education that you received. So it's over to you, Ben. I'm happy to be here. I, I was born in 1991 in Rochester, New York. Born and raised. Rochester, New York is upstate slash western New York. Very from far from New York City. Common misconception. I've only been to New York City about twice. Um, and I was born and raised in Rochester, really just in a small, humbling suburban school, had a normal life with a good education. Uh, one thing that was really a blessing in disguise is our high school had probably the best music program any high school could ever ask for. I mean, this was a world-class drummer. Um, so still to this day, I'm not a professional musician, um, but I got to learn from a world-class drummer, got into recording technology at a young age, and really lended me well that nowadays um, I host a podcast just like you. And a lot of that understanding of recording uh, technology and promotion and audio started from my, that upbringing in Rochester. And I've been in different locations uh, mm. in the Rochester area, but I've always stuck it to home and um, have a podcast called Rochester Business Connections and really am a big advocate for my, my home city here. Well, we'll come to that a little bit later. Awesome. <laughs> so, so can you describe to me what your neighborhood was like? Um, was it like you see typical in in American films where of New York where they got big sort of tower blocks and and everybody lives in a, an apartment or or were you sort of in the leafy suburbs? Yeah, typical residential suburbs. Um, nothing too busy. I, I did have a, we we're pretty large suburb compared to some. Um, graduating class in high school was a little under four hundred. So it wasn't a tiny town, but it also wasn't 4,000. Mm. Um, and I biked everywhere. So I uh, loved pizza. There was always a deli and a pizza shop that was in biking distance. So I'd bike, get a slice of pizza, go to the park, Ellison Park. They had Frisbee golf. I didn't really know how to play, but I would take <laughs> my bike up and down the hills while people played. Um, and it's just a typical hanging out around with friends, biking around, causing trouble. Um, ha ha go to the local deli, hang out, go home and make an excuse as to why I was gone for so long. <laughs> um, and I love playing basketball as well. So I would play at my elementary school, even when I got older, um, would play at the basketball courts and really just kind of had my, my entire childhood was basically holding a basketball. So, um, spent mm. a lot of my time doing that as well. So are you like um, trying to emulate the old Harlem Globetrotters? I mean, they were they were kind of big into into basketball back in the day. I don't know what they're like now, but um, they're probably very very old nowadays. Well, um, so I, are you yeah. are you really tall then uh, for your age? Uh, not Is that at why all. You're playing? 
I, I, I defeated, I wanted to defeat all odds. I mean, honestly, Tim, I was incredibly short. I was the shortest boy in school. The only shorter person in my class was a little Asian girl named Olivia Lee. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to defeat all odds. I remember watching slam dunk competitions. I had a jersey for every single day of the week. I don't recall ever washing those jerseys, Tim, but I presume <laughs> that my mother took care of that for me. Um, so I always wanted to defeat all odds. I was a short kid. I was a quiet kid. Um, and, and nowadays as a marketer, I really love helping the underdog because I always felt like an underdog. I, I always wanted to defeat the odds that I didn't quite defeat the odds in basketball. Um, but when I was younger, I didn't really know that I'd amount to much, and I was able to defeat a lot of struggle and be resilient as an adult. So a lot of the struggles even were happening for me. Um, typical childhood. Hmm. Wasn't always pretty. Father drank a lot. Wasn't the best in school. But you learn a lot of lessons from those experiences, from, from experiencing that when you were younger. Absolutely. So let's have a look at your um, your elementary school. Can you remember much about that? Um, a little bit. I, what, what would you like to know? I, I don't remember like names of teachers or Ooh, don't 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 need to know about names any, of teachers. Things like but, that. I, I don't remember a ton of it. Um, mm. Well, what was your favorite? Um, your favorite class. What was the one that you just wanted to get up for in the morning and, and get to school to 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 do that lesson? Recess. <laughs> <laughs> was, Recess. Really? Is that when you go out into the to the playground and, and you're bouncing your ball around, taking on all your mates on one on one for for basketball? Is it mm -hmm. playground antics, hanging out with friends? Um, I wasn't the most studious kid. I was really good at math when I was younger. Don't know why, but I'm very good at basic math. Like I could do three times three is nine, nine times nine is 81, 81. I could just like multiply and that stuff all the time. So I like those riddles and those math problems. So I guess uh, the actual answer would have to be math. Brilliant. So uh, what was your worst what was the worst lesson? What what one did you try and play hooky for? What one did you try and avoid going into into school for? Yeah, um, it's funny because I just said I like math, but I never liked science. <laughs> <laughs> Which usually they're two peas in a pod. It's like peanut butter and jelly. But um, was never a, was never good at science. Was always good at English. I didn't realize at the time, but. Um, I was a divergent thinker. I was a creative thinker. I was the kind of person that would go through a multiple choice. Um, maybe this wasn't in elementary school. I definitely remember middle school and high school. Mm. I'd see multiple choice tests and I'd be able to argue multiple answers and I'd get really mad if I got a question wrong because you better <laughs> believe I had an actual explanation as to why my answer was correct. And granted, maybe it was not correct. But I was always a creative and divergent thinker where I was seeing things holistically and differently, um, probably why it didn't lend as well. It's funny because science requires divergent thinking. Hmm. I think I maybe didn't realize it at the time. I see these formulas. I see these numbers. I get overwhelmed. Um, 
but really I feel like even the best scientists are the ones that see things in a different perspective so they can reinvent the best marketers what's what I do for a living they reinvent something that's been done a certain way for a certain amount of time um, so yeah I guess I, I guess I was a divergent thinker I didn't even realize it till you asked me that <laughs> hmm. so what was your um, your junior school your junior high school like um, What's was, funny, was I, that sort I, I of jumped around a lot, so I apologize. Mm. That's all right. Let's let's so we'll move on from elementary. Let's let's have a look at what your junior high school was about. Um, what was the, the core curriculum that you were doing, and and did you have any extra curricular classes that you took? Yeah, so um, in America, the, for me, we got a middle school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. My school had a K through 5, and we had a 6, 7, 8, and then high school was 9 to 12. Um, you know, looking back, and I think a lot of it is that young teenage year, years, I was personally very angsty. I was very mad and depressed, oftentimes I think for no reason. Just thought my parents were lame. Um, and, <laughs> you know, that that's when I sometimes tie in, like, being the smallest kid and loving basketball. Um, I think it really wasn't until that age that I actually started getting bullied, bullied. Because um, I, was, I was never the shortest in the entire school, but I was always shortest in the grades. So sixth grade, mm -hmm. I was a quiet kid. Um, I was pretty much an easy target. And I never actually really did get good grades at that time. Um, I couldn't tell you why. I, I think the education was fine. Um, I think my home life wasn't perfect, but it was fine. Um, but it was a traditional education where we have regions get exams, standardized testing, really working your way up in the basic math, science, English, et cetera, et cetera, kind of preparing you through high school and preparing you for college or university it was very simple basic life i, I i'm having trouble remembering because i think i got bullied one too many times and i kind of blocked out some of that memory mm. um but uh i'm not here to to feel poor about myself it, it was a great learning <laughs> experience um and and i love the underdog i don't think i think bullying's a really big issue tim i think it's a really big issue yeah, it's something that we're going to be covering on the uh, on my Thursday show um, yeah. at some stage in the not too distant. But um, you mentioned music earlier, um, and you had a great music teacher. Was that in in your junior high or in your middle school, or was that in high school? That was in high school. Uh -huh. Let's explore that then. So let's just. Stick with middle school for a minute. So did you did you start doing music in there? And uh, did you do arts or, or do the theatre studies, or or did you do more sport? What was what was your sort of forte in middle school? I didn't really have a forte. Um, I think my forte might have been video games and television. Um, I I. And this is a common narrative, and I, I'm like judging myself as I say it. But I wasn't a I wasn't the best student. I wasn't the most driven student. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a big vision. Um, I don't know. I think I was quiet. I was curious. 
um, but I was a little socially awkward, um, so I didn't really fit in with the the sports. I loved sports, but I didn't really fit in with the jockey, preppy kind of kids. Um, mm. I fit, fit in more with the creative types, the weird types. We'd have weird philosophical <laughs> conversations, um, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's I it's 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 hard for me to go back. I I feel like if I took some time to sit down and journal, I guarantee I'd give you a much better answer. But looking back, I'm like I think I was just trying to fit in and trying to be cool and I, at that time I started wearing band t-shirts and I had a belt with spikes on it and I was growing my hair out long. I had a big curly afro. <laughs> and I just think I was just an ordinary kid trying to figure their way out in the world, but I definitely wasn't an overachiever. I'll be honest with you when I say that, Tim. Hmm. So what about um, when you went up to, to high school then and you got into to music, I guess? Was was that was that sort of one of the, the, the favorite subjects that you were doing? You said you had a, a great teacher in music. Great, great teacher, Mr. Begale. Um, I became obsessed with music similar to how I was obsessed with basketball at one time. And really, I think part of my sloppy, like non-concise thinking back in my childhood, like part of it is I felt like I never fit in. And I feel like I repressed a lot of those memories because a lot of them weren't pretty. But when I found music, and a few friends, specifically a good friend, Brendan Gansmer, introduced me to a ton of bands. Um, and I started going to my first ever live shows. And I started to get all the band t-shirts. And I was making mixtapes and giving mixtapes to everyone and forcing my dad to listen to the next best thing and <laughs> tossing it in his car. That's when I first started to, um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I started to kind of live more in alignment with who I actually was very curious creative type and like i was never the best musician um i played guitar drums i wasn't the best musician but really my number one skill set was kind of being the advocate and promoter for a lot of the musicians in my area in rochester new york where i was setting up myspace pages which was big at the time um, I was wearing the band t-shirts i was handing out the flyers and i didn't know it at that time but, you know, 15 years down in the future, I would have a marketing firm and a podcast. And this was like seeding my love of marketing and advocating for brilliant things, whether it's a business, a musician, a thought leader. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but I really just had a talent for that. Um, and looking back, th these are the times where I remember them a lot better because I feel like I was more joyful. I was more engaged. I loved going to the shows, promoting the shows. I loved learning the instrument. I loved promoting the bands. And the lesson I'm kind of extracting out of that is when you find something you're aligned with or passionate about, um, there's not really any suppressing of memories. You're actually in alignment with uh, potentially your purpose in life. And um, I don't necessarily music as a whole is my purpose in life, um, but really just finding a good thing and I like to say amplifying it, and what's funny is amplifying is quite literally a music term. Plugging mm. the guitar into plugging the guitar into an amp, microphone on the voice. I got really good at amplifying bands, and nowadays for a living, I I amplify businesses and, and great people. 
Mm. Wow. And, and so that was kind of your introduction to, to, to the music, I guess, industry mm-hmm. um, through this teacher. That's right. So what what other things that that, that you, you mentioned earlier about um, you got into audio recordings and, and and that type of thing? You got into the that side of tech side of audio. So did you learn that in school, or or, or was that later? Did you move on to to college and do it there? I learned a little bit in school. I learned a lot on my own. Um, my first MacBook ever had GarageBand, and I just became obsessed with GarageBand. One thing that's fun on something like GarageBand is they had a lot of um, pre-recorded instruments and sounds. So I would create loops and like create songs over it. And we weren't very good musicians, but I set up a little recording studio in the basement at my house and we would record our jams and take videos. So a lot of it was really learned on my own. And then um, having a great music program was great because there was a recording studio in our school. There's a lot of instruments and tools. Um, And to be quite honest with you and anybody listening, I would have treated it so differently if I could go back in time because there was so much at my disposal that I was exposed to, but I didn't actually utilize all the opportunities at the time. Um, But at least I was exposed to these opportunities and these GarageBand recording and Logic, which is another music music tool. So later in life, I remembered and I kind of went back to my roots and taught myself. Um, but yeah, just being exposed at a very young age was helpful for me. Mm. So did you, did you manage to graduate high school and did you, did you then get, go on to uh, college or or did you go into a workspace? What was, uh, what was your next step after high school? It's the surprise of the day. I suppose I graduated high school. I did it. (laughs) It almost sounded like I maybe wasn't going to. Um, But yeah, I graduated school and um, went to, in America, we call it college, but university. And um, I could stop there, but to give you like the one sentence version is I jumped around a lot and I magically went to three schools in four years and got my four-year degree. So I didn't do it the traditional path. Um, But I went to two two two-year schools, and then I went to a four-year school, got my four-year degree. Um, And I weirdly did awesome in college. I did very good in higher ed. I think it maybe just took me a little little time to mature and kind of find the things that I enjoy doing. Hmm. So what did you major in? What was your major? I mean, what, what... You say you got a four-year degree, but what was it in? Yeah, communication studies. Ah. So what type of communications? Because there's, there's vast amounts of communications. There's, there's um, radio communications. There's face-to-face communications. There's... Um, there's uh, so right, uh, you got the old uh, Morse 
da 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 that sort of communication. Or <laughs> what type of communications were you into? Um, it's, so, it's a big subject. It, it's so funny. So I'm I'm transparent about the fact that I haven't had the perfect past, um, and I think it's only made me stronger. But when I say communication studies, I quite literally mean communication studies. So I didn't go for, it's like the liberal arts of communication. So I didn't go for PR. I didn't go for recording technology. I didn't go for new media. I didn't go for videography. I didn't go for graphic design. I actually think it actually lended me well. The reason I chose communication studies is because I thought it would be easy. Again, I'm just being transparent. <laughs> thought it would be easy, and it was. But it really worked well because I still didn't quite have a vision of what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be. And the beauty about communication studies is it was intentionally very broad. Um, so we tapped into um, social science and sociology. We tapped into psychology. We typed into organizational communication, leadership. We tapped into a little bit of PR. We tapped into um, rhetoric. So communication studies was very much a liberal arts, a broad studies of the communication field, which was fantastic for me, even by accident, because if I had went for something like videography, I would have a, uh, a clearer North Star, like a clearer direction of where I was going. But since I didn't quite understand what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be, communication studies had a great, again, philosophy to sociology, to communication, to interpersonal communication, to organizational communication. It kind of created a holistic set of skills that as a podcast and a marketer today, actually, I use a lot of the things I learned way back in the day <laughs> in my daily day, in my daily basis. Um trying to find creative solutions to complex problems and in order to find a creative solution to a complex problem problem you often need to have skill sets in multiple different categories so it was an accident i didn't know why i was going i really was told to go to school get good grades and my family would be happy i did just that but my god i'm happy i did because it ended up working out for me hmm. terrific so Graduated um, college. What That's was right. your first job you did when you graduated? Did you, did you go? Let's just go a quick look at where you went to college. You said you went to three colleges. Were they Ivy League colleges or, or were they just sort of run out of mill sort of? <laughs> what what was the universities you went to? What do you think? Do you think it was Ivy League or run of the mill? Well, what's the narrative today? <laughs> they they were two-year community colleges. So um, for anyone who's interested, I started at Finger Lakes Community College. It's, you know, the east side of Rochester. Um, then I went to Monroe Community College, another two-year school. Transferred from Monroe Community College to SUNY Brockport, which is a state, univers state university of New York um, in Brockport, New York. And got my four-year degree at SUNY Brockport. I actually hadn't even determined a major in my first two years. Um, and then I chose community college. Not community college. I chose communication studies. Finished year three and four. 
And magically, I mean, I graduated in four years, so I must have been doing something right. I think I'm not giving myself the benefit of the doubt. Hmm. So, so, hang on, what's going on here? Uh, hang on, something's oh, gone wrong. Uh, why is that not changing? Oh, oh. <laughs> boom. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> well, that snuck up on me a bit quick. So once you got your, your degree, what was the first... So you, so you stayed in Rochford area then for, for, for all your, your... So were you stopping at home or, or did you sort of go and find yourself some digs somewhere? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm I'm going to listen back to this episode and just be so upset with myself and that's quite all right <laughs> i really do think it all happened for me and it wasn't pretty um right at the end of college i got a dwi and since i got a dwi and the expenses around that and the expenses around going to school i um had to move in with my parents after college because of expense reasons and the first job i got was actually as a cashier for a pharmacy um, I don't know if you have any Rite Aids, but it was a Rite Aid pharmacy. Um, needless to say, probably didn't need my communications studies degree <laughs> to cashier at a pharmacy. Um, but you asked the question, and I gave you an answer. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's quite often the case with with lots of people that go through university. They get the degree, and the first thing they do. Is a job that they can't use it. But I guess, I mean, communication skills, you need everywhere for everything. Yeah. Um, so I guess you did employ some of them, but um, it, it probably wasn't what you was looking for. Did you know what you were looking for? No, not at all. I was, I was looking for the next show. I've got nothing against the music industry. I love it. But a lot of it's just looking for the next bar, the next show, the next joint, the next, you know, shot. Um, and I wasted, I shouldn't use the word wasted. I really do think it was a beautiful experience, but spent a lot of years of my life just sort of like partying and being a little more hedonistic than I am now. And again, I freaking love it. Um, but I was so sucked into the music industry that... I didn't quite have vision of who I was going to be and where I was going to go. Mm. So how long did you last as a cashier then? Um, Before? And what did you move on to? Did you manage to get into to the music business fairly early on? Or, or, or did you have to work your way through and, and do it part-time? What was your journey like to get into the music industry? Because I yes. guess it's not it's not that easy in uh, in the New York area because there's so many musicians and stuff there. Yeah, I mean, I never, I would never say that I was in the music industry like formally. Um, I was a cashier. I'd need to look at my resume to tell you how long, but I worked my way up to a shift manager. I worked in the pharmacy as well, so I was a pharmacy tech and then a shift manager based on where they needed me. Um, I got a second job 
at a similar time period towards when I was a shift manager and I was actually a traveling sales rep for Chobani yogurt. Um, Chobani yogurt, awesome Greek yogurt. I was going to all the Walmarts and mostly Walmarts, but Walmarts and local grocery chains building displays and selling the need for the display and selling more orders, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I was never like in the music industry formally, but I was the biggest advocate. I was the biggest promoter. I was the one that would go to the shows, support the bands, send messages to all my friends, send text messages, bring an entire posse of people. So I was never formally working in the music industry. I was formally working at the pharmacy and then working for Chobani Yogurt. And then by nights and weekends would be, if anything, more of a um, more of a consumer than a producer. It wasn't until 2016 I actually started a music podcast, which, um, again, nowadays I have a business podcast, but that mm. transition sort of started in 2016 when I started the music podcast because of the reason I just said. I was always a producer. I was always a consumer, but not a producer. And I asked myself, how can I give back to the community other than purchasing a drink or buying a ticket? And that ended up being the podcast that I launched in 2016. So I was doing a lot of things at once, two jobs going out, running a podcast, um, again, preparing me for a whole new world in marketing, but still not quite sure. I, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to be or what I wanted to do. I, I was just having fun and living day by day, good or bad. <laughs> so your podcast, let's have a look at your podcast. How, how, I mean, podcasting back then was still fairly in its infancy, fairly new. Mm -hmm. So how did you go about um, recording your content? How did you put your once, once you'd recorded it, how did you put it up? What platform were you using? And were you just using it to, to, to push out to friends or to the wider wider world, should we say? How yeah. did that go? Well, the podcast was called Rochester. Um, I almost called Rochester Business Connections. That's the business show. I started with Rochester Groovecast. In Rochester Groovecast, as the name Rochester, and I'm from Rochester, New York, implies, it more was for to advocate for the local region, the local music scene. Um, and we did all sorts of stuff. I mean, we to answer your question, we, we published on SoundCloud, which is a big music platform. It was probably as big as it's ever been at that time. So we published the SoundCloud, and I did all sorts of stuff. I mean... Um, one thing, and I, I thought I had it in front of me, I can't find it, is I had a portable recorder. So one of the things I would do is I would go to these shows and I would bring my portable recorder and I would record some of the bands live. And then I would do like recaps and reviews and I would like replay songs that I recorded live. Then, you know, in the long term, I was using the recorder to do interviews so there was like a whole mix of live shows, um, reviews of live shows, interviews. And another thing I was doing a lot of was music festival previews. Let's say, um, so 
today as we're recording this is october 4th 2022 let's say there was a festival on november 1st i would get in touch with all the bands get rights to play their music and very similar to a radio program i would do a music festival preview that was up to three or four hours long where i walked through all the bands that were going to be playing at this music festival um, and promoted and advocated for those bands to sell tickets for that festival. And the best part is I got to get I got uh, I got to get into places for free. So I wasn't making a ton of money, but at least I got into places for free. And I <laughs> really got to document a lot of my own experience at that time, which was very cool. And, and I'll, I'll take it by getting in free. You you meant that you've got a backstage pass as well. So you've got access to the bands behind the scenes. Yeah, it, it all depends. Sometimes I got a VIP pass where I could go eat what I want, talk to whoever I want. Sometimes it was just a couple free tickets. Um, but I, I, I'm transparent in the fact that I wasn't really building a large business. This was something I was doing on the side. And just the the beauty of being able to go to so much music and document it and get it in for free, whether or not it was VIP or a typical ticket um, was a great once in a lifetime opportunity for me. So I'm happy I did it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> any, anything you get for free is a, is a Billy bonus to start with. Can't and uh, it. if it's, if it's something that you're going to go and enjoy, then so much the better. So moving slightly on then, um, you've got your podcast, you, you, you're promoting stuff and uh, one thing and another. What did you do next? You say you're still working at the pharmacy, you're still doing uh, your, your, your promoting work of your, your yoga. Yeah, so... And um, you got your podcast going. So where did you develop from there? Yeah, so uh, again, was working a couple jobs, um, fell on my face, really. It was a tough situation. So I um, had found a brand new job. <clears throat> I kind of wanted to level up, wanted to find a better job with better income. So I found a new job. I applied. I got hired. I was supposed to fly out to a big city for training in like two weeks, et cetera, et cetera. I put in my notice, actually slightly before then, I forgot about this, the Chobani job, um, I, it was contract work, and um, we had a lot of partnerships, especially with Walmarts, and um, ultimately Walmarts just started to do everything internally, so the entire team, everybody, I, I take no, it, it was not, it, the entire team in the entire region got let go all at once. So I, I had the two jobs, then I just had the one, and I started looking for other work, found that job, was supposed to fly out, training in a couple of weeks, and to get a call, literally days after I, I put in my two weeks notice, letting me know that they had an internal candidate that somehow w was not noticed, like for whatever reason, they missed out on this internal candidate, and since the internal candidate is internal, um, and in the same region as I would be that unfortunately they had to resign the offer that they initially gave me. Um, and that's the funny thing. I had just put in my two week notice that I was quitting my pharmacy job. 
Um, so guess what happened? I was jobless. <laughs> so beautiful story, right? Beautiful story. But generally when something like that happens, then it possibly opens up new avenues, new opportunities. So did that happen? Yeah, I got, I got everything again, everything happened for me, not to me. I feel like I was slow to develop. I feel like I was immature. I feel like I partied a lot. Um, but I learned a lot by making a lot of these mistakes and falling on my face many of times. Um, I didn't even really know like what marketing was that well, which is funny because I had the podcast and I was promoting bands and setting up MySpace pages, but I never identified myself as a marketer. I was just going through jobs and it was a sales job. And, you know, I had some sales experience with Chobani going store to store. Um, and it was a, it was a sales consultant for an online marketing company. And I'm just like, you know, I kind of understand this stuff. I have a podcast. This is fun. And I applied not really knowing what I was getting into, <laughs> but that launched my new career. <laughs> Um, we were cold calling businesses, selling marketing products. It wasn't pretty. Um, I don't have to give you all the details, but it wasn't the best job to have. Um, but it introduced me to online marketing, which ended up being something that I became obsessed with. And that was kind of the first marketing role that took me off into this space. And, and the rest is really recent history in a way. Hmm. Well, well, cold, cold calling marketing, you're on an hiding to nowhere <laughs> to start with. It's difficult. <laughs> it's definitely difficult. Yeah, it's, there's, there's a definite knack to it. And um, yeah, it's, it's, not everybody likes cold calls. <laughs> no. But it's, <laughs> I mean, there are laws against it nowadays about cold calling. And uh, so you have to be really I, careful. I get, it, I get at least 20 calls a day. My phone will actually tell me suspicious activity. I don't pick them up, to be honest with you. Yeah. Mm. I don't know if the camera, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. I literally have like five spam calls in the past two hours, so. I got a few. Outrageous. Today. <laughs> Outrageous. It actually says spam on my phone. So I think they're getting better at, at, at pausing them or, or avoiding yeah, them. Uh, uh, identifying them. Identifying them. Yeah. So bring us a bit more up to date then. What are you up to nowadays? Yeah, I learned a lot of things not to do. Um, there's I, I have nothing against cold calling, but... Um, I've seen roles where you're just cold calling businesses kind of aggressively trying to earn their business and maybe the fulfillment's not there and the training's not there. And when you're not trained well, um, there's false promises or there's just not an understanding of the product. And I didn't realize when I started that that was sometimes the case, but I became obsessed with online marketing and part of it was growing like my podcast was growing i built my own website for the podcast we're still like ranked top we're literally first on google for like 10 major keywords because i started taking all this knowledge of marketing and just did it for myself on the side 
mm. and continue to learn and grow and continue to learn and grow. Um, and then at one point actually transferred to a different company, again, another online marketing firm and continue to learn and grow and continue to learn and grow. And when I launched Balbert Marketing, my own marketing company, I took all the great stuff that I learned that work and I took all the stuff that I learned don't work, doesn't work, isn't you know my cup of tea, and I built my business around being the polar opposite of all the things I hated. Um, a lot of businesses have been burned. A lot of businesses have invested in marketing. Um, it was a sloppy plan and it didn't work. And I heard this and saw this all the time. So I said, why not create a business, a marketing firm that actually goes against the odds and isn't like all these firms just trying to get your money, whether or not they have the proper solution. Let's be more of a consultant. Let's be more patient. Let's be more premium. We don't need to cold call because we don't need thousands of clients. And I really built my marketing firm to be exactly what I thought that a marketing firm should be. Um, and taking that curiosity and that growth mentality and that underdog and that failure and that struggle and using all those as gifts to create a firm that can actually serve businesses. And I don't have my blinders on. I don't have rose color glasses. I've seen the bad and the good. And now that's really my mission to, to bring more good into the world and help businesses the right way because I've seen both ways. And as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned, uh, the path towards light is a lot better than the, the, the unethical way. And I don't have to make cold calls anymore. People come to me because I have good solutions. Brilliant. So that's where you are now, Daisy. That's That's it. So how can people get hold of you if they want to uh, tap your knowledge and uh, uh, see if I can get your services. Yeah, I, to be honest, like listen to the podcast. I I I only take on a couple clients a quarter. I'm slammed. I'm doing well. Um, right now, I'm on the back end trying to work out processes to scale and work out like better programs and better serve my current clients. Um, so if someone wants marketing help, I'll clearly just give you advice for free. I don't know if there's space for more clients yet, but I'd love to have the conversation. But I think a more beneficial place to send people is the Real Business Connections podcast. That is the podcast that I host, and it's just genuine conversations with kick-butt business people operating at, operating at the highest level. Um, so go to Real Business Connections, listen to my guests, learn from them, and if you have money to spend, spend money with them because I've got a whole slew of incredible guests with massive solutions and incredible insight. Um, so just go check out Real Business Connection. Start there and um, Balber Marketing is the firm, but I really wish people would just go and, and support the cause of Real Business Connections. We're trying to move the needle on a million careers um, and that's through one conversation at a time. That's creating small impacts in lives, whether it's at the workplace or at home. Um, and just allowing everybody to be to be better for it long term. Terrific. So that's where you're at. That's right up to date. Yes, sir. That's where we're at. And uh, and you're doing all right, have it? Yeah, 
I it's and, if if we had an hour longer, I could talk about all the correct things I did. Um, I actually ha- we talked a lot about a lot about my mistakes, and I'm actually <laughs> I'm okay with that because we all make mistakes in life. I think I made one more than I maybe should have, but it all happened for us, man. It's mm. I have a million podcasts and all the correct things I did. It wasn't until about 2018, 2019 that I actually started making good decisions. But because of all the mistakes and the struggles that we talked about today, it allows me to be a better person as we are in the 2020s now. Hmm. I mean, that's that's the way lots of us learn is by making mistakes. And say, so I've always said that there are two ways to learn. There's the easy way to learn and there's the hard way to learn. And most people go down a hard route to start with. That's okay. A lot of people listening probably are going down the hard route. The beauty is a podcast like this can serve as a reminder that it doesn't have to be as difficult as you're making it. And if we could turn years into, you know, weeks or months or hours or even minutes, like if there's something you want to accomplish – there's something that's holding you back. Let's start making a change in our life right now because you don't have to go the hard route if you don't want to. Sometimes it's a blessing when you do, but if you feel like you're going around the wrong path, implement a change in your life. You'll see that difference could move the needle and really change the entire trajectory of the rest of your life. Just by listening to one podcast and taking one massive action can make a massive change in anyone's life. Hmm. Ben, thank you so much. I've enjoyed that. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hopefully somebody will will, will pop into your podcast, learn the easy way for a change, and uh, <laughs> and uh, come out the the, come out the other end uh, much better for it. Yes, sir. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure. The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.